another struggle, another obstacle, another problem. Ain't no telling where I'm about to go. Ain't no telling what I'm about to do. But I don't need you telling me what I need to do or who I need to be. Just let me be free. Well, says it's a puppet regime now, though, but for the U.S., for the West. It's a puppet regime for the West now, and Putin's going to put his own goddamn puppets in there. Good morning, Jesters. Good morning, Jestettes. Good morning, fellow Jesterians. Uh, life is great. I'm so glad I'm alive. Well, that's true. It's, I'm, I'm, I'd much rather be alive than dead. It's just everything isn't going, uh, isn't going well. <laughs> Got some shit, gotta deal with personally. It's just, it's, uh, hmm, it's difficult. But it's, it's, life's not supposed to be easy, I don't, I don't believe. <laughs> if life was easy, everybody would want to do it. <laughs> oh, man, but I... I don't know. Does does that does everybody not want to live? Kitty, you're really starting to piss me off. Oh, oh well. Oh, so looks like we invaded Ukraine yesterday. That's probably why the the up first podcast was late because they were breaking news from Ukraine. They were trying to create some sort of bullshit story of how Putin did this or Putin did that and. Man, it's just, it's crazy. Who the fuck knows what's going on, man? I sure as hell don't. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that I, I'm going to give you my, my views on this shit. Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, number one, it's Ukraine. It's not the U.S. So why are we fucking involved? Because that's the, because Joe Biden and his family has been receiving plenty of money from the Ukrainians. Ukrainian government has paid them a lot of fucking money. Oh, but what are you going to do? You're just going to sit here and fucking watch the goddamn world burn, I guess. Why the, why the fuck not, right? Why the fuck not? Well, the world's already starting to burn. People are just losing shit, losing, losing sanity, man. Look at this dude that fucking Biden hired as some sort of I don't even know. I don't even know what it is or what he does. But he just hired him because he's odd. That's the only, like there there are no skills necessary. You just got to be odd. You got to be a transgender uh uh I don't even fucking know. It was crazy ass. You, they're just looking to fill the woke check the woke boxes. They're not uh they're not looking for if if somebody can do the job. They want to make sure that you're woke. I turned down a job yesterday. Like, it was $19 an hour. It would have been a good fucking job, you know? Customer service, inside, answering phones, whatever. $19 an hour. But they mandate that every one of their employees is vaccinated against COVID-19. I'm like, fuck. God damn it, that would have been a good goddamn job to have. Oh, nothing's ever easy, man. Nothing can ever be that simple. Oh, that's bullshizer, yo. Bullshizer. I don't even know what the fuck to think about that shit. Why? Why? When 
it, it's obvious that these shots don't even fucking work and they cause clots, the clot shots. You're gonna fucking kill me? You're gonna take a chance of killing me just so I can work for you? Fuck you. I'm good. I'm Gucci, boy. I'm Gucci. Like a goddamn Prada bag. Oh, well. What are you gonna do? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna dive back into our conversation with Dr. Carl Hart, aren't we? We certainly are. Oh, shite. Come here, buddy. We're gonna start this chapter over again because I kind of messed up the other day. Cocaine. Everybody loves the sunshine. Happiness lies with one's well. I'm sorry. Cat, come on. Get the fuck out of here. Go. Get. Get. Uh, happiness lies within oneself. And the way to dig it out is cocaine. Aleister Crowley. Welcome to Colorado. Those were the jubilant words. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, welcome to Colombia. Those were the jubilant words that greeted me as I entered the VIP room of a Bogota nightclub. Neatly divided lines of cocaine were laid out on the coffee table in front of the woman who had delivered the greeting. I I had come to the Colombians. The, Jesus Christ, I can't. Okay, this has got to, we got to do something different here. Okay, okay guys, I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. Like, I don't have shit set up like I used to. So we just got to take care and, ah, here we go, maybe this will work. I had come to the the Columbia capital. Jeez, I had come to the Colombian capital to give a lecture at 2018 Psychoactive Week Forum, which had finished only a few hours earlier. This was the after party. It looked like a scene straight out of New Jack City, or some other awful cautionary tale intended to warn young people against cocaine use and trafficking. But things aren't always as they appear. You're goddamn right they aren't, buddy. <sighs> nowhere in this more <laughs> nowhere is this more apparent than in Rio de Janeiro. In 2013, I met Julita Lemgruber, Lemgruber, a socialist from Rio at the International Drug Policy Reform Conference in Denver. She urged me to come to her country and give a series of lectures. She felt that my views on drugs in society, especially my belief that specific substances are scapegoated in order to avoid addressing complex social problems, would re-resonate with Brazilians. I was flattered, but had no idea of if this was actually true or not. I knew almost nothing about Brazil and even less about its approach to drugs. It was also self... I was also self-conscious about my inability to speak Portuguese. I had spent years remedying other early educational deficiencies, but the acquisition of other languages remained a glaring gap in my skill set. 
I didn't want to subject myself to feeling like the dumbass American who couldn't be bothered to learn a foreign language. I politely declined Julita's invitation. But Julita isn't the sort of person who takes no for an answer. She is persistent, persuasive, and tough. Undoubtedly, these attributes contributed to her being selected as the first woman in charge of the state of Rio's prison system back in the early 1990s, and to being named the state's first police ombudsman. I don't, I don't know what that word means. The police ombudsman from 1999 to 2000. Julita doesn't look the part in the traditional sense. She sports fashionable gear and rocks a stylish crimson pixie cut with straight bangs. But behind her youthful face lies decades of experience, disappointment, and wisdom. Julita is her own person. She's fearless, independent thinker who's unafraid to go where the evidence dictates. Julita's perspective has continually evolved over the course of her long career Working closely with law enforcement, oh, over a long career working closely with law enforcement. She now convinced, she's now convinced that draconian drug policies and racial discrimination are at the center of the crime and violence she has spent much of her life trying to stem. This belief fuels her unwavering efforts to push for less restrictive drug laws and for the meaningful inclusion of marginalized people into Brazilian society. The more I learned about Julita, the more difficult it became to say no. So in May 2014, there I was, in Rio, lounging in a luxury hotel that overlooked the famous Ipanema Beach. When Saturday rolled around, I was asked to take part in the local annual marijuana march. Hey, fellow jesters, I wanted to let you know the Sessions with the Jester t-shirts are finally available. They're $35 free shipping in the lower 48. Email thepromotingjester at gmail.com and tell them the sizes you want. They'll send you an invoice for a completely secure payment. <laughs> Let's get back to the show. But the march's exclusive focus on cannabis, as if it and its users were higher on the pecking order of drugs, gave me pause in the end. In the end, though, I participated. I walked the entire beach from one end to the other. I walked alongside Jean Wyllis a local celebrity and politician who had introduced bills to legalize marijuana. Hundreds of others joined us. It was a community of kindness brought together by a desire to legalize adult recreational marijuana use. The vibe reminded me of Roy Ayer's 1976 hit, Everybody Loves the Sunshine. I don't know if that's how it goes or not, but Everybody Loves the Sunshine. It was cool. It was festive, too. People openly sold, shared, and smoked weed. They also exchanged other things. Food, drink, love, you name it. And it was permitted, or so it seemed. Over the course of the day, 
I was told that all drugs had been decriminalized in Brazil since 2006. This surprised me. I assumed that Brazil blindly followed the United States when it came to drug policy. I was wrong. According to Brazilian law, unlike U.S. law, anyone caught possessing substances in amount consistent with personal use would not be subjected to incarceration. Instead, the person might receive a warning and be required to perform community service or attend a drug education program or course. Those caught selling banned drugs, however, were still subjected to harsh criminal sanctions. That's why decriminalization is never the answer. It needs to be all the way or not none. In the morning after the marijuana march, I met with Julita in a restaurant in Leblon, an upscale neighborhood near Ipanema Beach, to discuss the schedule of events she had prepared for me. It looked exhausting, taunting even. I was to travel across three states while giving multiple lectures and media interviews, making a number of site visits, and holding meetings with interested parties in each state. All in the course of about a week. I got tired simply looking at the itinerary. This was typical Julita. Detail-oriented, even if it kills her, and efficient, even if it kills you. I was too embarrassed to express any apprehension I felt about the formidable task she laid out for me. I just had to grin and bear it. I did, however, say something about what I had learned on the previous day at the march. I heaped praise on Brazilian lawmakers for passing such a progressive drug law. My dear, Julita said very slowly in a tender tone. Oh shit, I thought. I realized my mistake even before she opened her mouth. Praising politicians is a tricky endeavor because most will eventually disappoint you, especially when it comes to drug policy. But it was too late. The deed was done. Julita was now in the middle of telling me something of great importance, and there was no stopping her. Locking her kind, uh, locking her kind but intense eyes firmly on mine, she recited Brazilian's composer... Antonio Carlos Jobim's famous quip. Brazil isn't for beggars. Oh, God damn it. Brazil isn't for beginners. My education on Brazil began at that moment. Julita spent the next 30 minutes schooling me practically nonstop on how the drug policy really plays out in her country. It was certainly true that under the current law, personal drug use is not meant to be punished by incarceration, but it remains a criminal offense. So, in effect, the law is depenalization, not decriminalization. Equally important, the law does not quantify personal use. It does not define drug amounts in terms of how much it considered personal use versus how much is considered trafficking. <clears throat> this critical factor is determined first by street-level police officers who decide who is arrested and who is not. Arrestees, regardless of the drug quantity they possess, are eventually tried in criminal court as drug sellers. Sure, the judge can ultimately rule that the defendant is not a trafficker 
after taking into account the amount of drug possessed and the person's legal history and other mitigating factors, but that ruling is almost never made, especially if the defendant is black and poor. Another less frequently discussed feature of the Brazilian drug law is that it increased the minimum amount of prison time for trafficking violations from three to five years. Man, that craziness, craziness, craziness. Let's, uh, let's leave it off there because this is just uncomfortable. I have to figure out a better way to do this. Oh, goodness. Let me mark my spot. I don't even have my shit with me. What did I do? What did I do? Mother of Pearl is a great big whale. Oh, well. I'll find that later. Ah, but see, like I said, I've always said decriminalization is not the answer. You need to have full legalization because, yeah, if you can use a drug, great. But how are you going to get it if it's illegal to sell? I mean, it's, it's all just one big fucking scam, a way for politicians to get money to the state. That's just how that shit goes, man. I found my bookmark. So, I'm saying legalize everything, regulate everything, and I think that is the answer. No, what do I know? I'm just a fucking pothead. <laughs> but what are you going to do, right? I know what we're going to do. We are going to dive into the UFC. Absolutely. Let's go. Let's see what kind of bulls spit. These mother truckers are trying to sell us today. Hey, go to uh, anchor.fm forward slash SWTJ. Sessions with the gesture, SWTJ. And leave a message. That's anchor.fm forward slash SWTJ. Leave a message. Tell me what you think about uh, my views. That would be some good shit. Word. <laughs> Ukrainian officials say that their capital city is under direct fire from Russia. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Russia is targeting civilians in Kiev, something the Russian defense agency denies. Zelensky I also said the Russian invasion well. has killed at least 137 no Ukrainian troops and civilians around the country. So far, hundreds more have been wounded. Ukraine's leader also says he is, quote, target number one as Russia tries to well, overthrow the democratically no, elected that's... government. NPR's Tim Mack is. is in Ukraine. I spoke with him earlier this morning about the latest. So, Tim, where are you right now and what are you seeing? Well, I'm standing right now in a field in central Ukraine. Like so many others, we're using these small rural routes in order to travel, in order to avoid the major roads uh, where we've seen a lot of reports of traffic jams and clogs as people try to escape Kiev and push towards other areas. 
Tim, what's the latest regarding the fighting and, and an update on the battlefield? Obviously, it's a very fluid situation, but we're receiving some reports that the initial stages are not going as well for the Russian military as they might have hoped. Uh, a strategic airport 15 kilometers west of Kiev was initially captured by a Russian air assault, and it would have given them the opportunity to land forces right outside the capital city, but Ukrainian forces have now recaptured it in a counteroffensive. Ukrainians are also reporting that they've halted an element of Russian tanks north of Kyiv by blowing up a key bridge. The Ukrainian defense minister called on residents in a northwest suburb of Kyiv to prepare Molotov cocktails for the ongoing fighting. So, Tim, what does all this mean for the next few days? Well, the outlook really still looks quite bleak for the Ukrainians. So while they're claiming some positive news, there are some signs that the Russian military is pushing closer to Kyiv. And more troops have been seen in Belarus headed in the direction of the capital city. Uh, a senior American defense official says that this is just the initial stage of a longer, larger-scale attack and invasion with the Russians making the taking of Kyiv one of their key priorities. Uh, Western intelligence predicts that Kyiv will be encircled and that the Russian military will be able to do so soon due to overwhelming military superiority. Uh, a senior Western intelligence official says that the Russian government seeks the removal of the Ukrainian government of course, and the installation of a puppet regime. Also well, says it's a puppet a regime now, though, ahead. but for the U.S., for the West. On it's the a puppet regime for the West now, and from the folks Putin's going to put his own goddamn puppet there's in there. There's a real sense of shock. I mean, many Ukrainians did not think the war would break out in such dramatic and large-scale fashion. We spoke to Helena Alexander, a Ukrainian who gathered along with many men of all ages in a town square in central Ukraine many, many, to enlist many, in the military. Many, 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 it's many, many. Wish death on me, wish death the bomb. Always they said that we are brothers, we are brothers' nations. Hey there, fellow Jesterians. Let me tell you about a sponsor of ours that is now part of the Jester family. Shine On Botanicals is one of the purest CBD distillate on the market. We have tinctures, roll-ons, vapes, gummies. We also have pet tinctures. Email the promoting gesture at gmail.com. Put shine on the subject line and list what you would like to purchase. By the end of the week, you will receive an invoice. Easy peasy. Now let's get back to the UFC. Ukrainians are still digesting what this dramatic development means for their future. Uh, but what is clear is that military-aged males all across this country are mobilizing for the coming fighting. That's NPR's Tim Mack. Tim, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. The Russian invasion of Ukraine is unfolding largely as the U.S. was predicting for weeks. However, accurate U.S. intelligence, some of it shared publicly, did not prevent the Russian invasion from happening. So what role <sighs> will the U.S. play now in stopping a land Nothing. war in Europe? Nothing. 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 We can't. We will. We should do nothing. Why would we send our kids over to fight for some goddamn Ukrainian goddamn people that only pay Joe Biden? It's Joe Biden's family that should go over and fucking protect it. Now we're gonna not send our fucking kids. That's fucking ridiculous. It's a goddamn ridiculous goddamn question.
We're joined by NPR national security correspondent Greg Myrie. Uh, Greg, U.S. intelligence has uh, been very accurate here in contrast to some recent U.S. wars. But how significant is that since it didn't stop Vladimir Putin from going ahead with the invasion? Well, yeah, that's true. And and the backstory here is that CIA director William Burns went to Russia last November and he told the Russians about what the U.S. already knew. And, and the hope was this would actually deter Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Obviously, it didn't do that. Still, Putin probably had to uh, didn't expect these details of his plans to be broadcast to the world, and he and he certainly had to well, factor of that course into he did. his thinking. Of course, he and fucking did. I spoke did. about this with John Who the Seifer, fuck the he's fuck are you talking CIA about? Officer who served Dumbass. in Russia. He supports this effort to share. Vladimir Putin is not a fucking idiot. So if he tells something to a CIA spook or whomever the fuck it was, he knows. It's not going to be a fucking secret. So go fuck yourself with this goddamn bullshit you're trying to pull. Jesus. It's fucking ridiculous. ...intelligence publicly and says this opinion is pretty widely shared with other ex-intelligence officials he speaks with. And while this approach didn't stop Putin, it did counter the Russian disinformation narrative, the notion that Ukraine was somehow threatening Russia. And he says the, the U.S. sharing of intelligence did help establish a factual narrative that uh, Western governments and their publics could work with as they've tried to figure out how to respond. It's trying to get information out on what they know the Russians are up to. They try to tell both publics in Europe and the United States, here's the kind of stuff we can expect from Russia. Here's their, their game plan. They try to create sort of false stories. They try to create false narratives. And he says, as a result, NATO countries That's have exactly been what very the fuck united. America and does. we've seen this false largely stories and false narratives. Who the fuck do you think you are, man? We're also seeing it on issues God like sanctions. <laughs> the U.S. and NATO have been clear they are not sending fighters into Ukraine. So what are they doing for Ukraine? Well, there is a NATO summit today. They're talking about next steps. Uh, President Biden said yesterday that he's sending 7,000 more U.S. troops to Europe. This is part of his larger effort to reassure the NATO allies, especially the ones on the eastern flank. And uh, Biden told Ukraine's President Zelensky that the U.S. would provide humanitarian aid. U.S. troops are in Poland, for example, ready to help with refugees heading out of Ukraine. U.S. troops won't cross the border, but they can help if, if refugees uh, are coming out of that country. And, and beyond Europe, the U.S. is working to organize global support for Ukraine and trying to isolate Russia and Putin. We'll see a lot of these efforts out in the open, but there will also be other actions taking place behind the scenes. What are those behind-the-scenes actions? So Biden said the U.S. was prepared to counter any Russian cyber attacks. Uh, the U.S. has been helping Ukraine with its cyber defenses. Ukraine has been hit, but not as hard as many had predicted, at least to this point. Uh, the U.S. is also sharing intelligence with Ukrainians. The U.S., as, as we've seen, had great visibility into the Russian preparations for this war and will likely still have pretty good uh, visibility into the next Russian moves. Um, and uh, if Russia does take or occupy Ukraine, the CIA could certainly play a role in assisting a Ukrainian insurgency. This is the kind of thing the agency has done many, many times in the past. That's NPR's Greg Myrie. Greg, thanks a lot. My pleasure. Our brand new sponsor, Pot V Life Dispensaries at potvlife.us. Check them out, man. They got vapes. They have edibles. They have uh, cannabis beer, they have moon rocks, they have extracts, 
They have they just have a whole selection of good shit, man. <clears throat> Go check out potvlife.us. Tell them the jester sent you. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. It is a midterm election year here in the U.S., and there are real political consequences of what's happening in Ukraine. Some Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, have used the moment to lambaste President Biden for political gain, even though many of them agree that Russia's war in Ukraine is unjust. This is all playing out... Number one, it doesn't... It's not hard to lambaste fucking illegitimate Joe Biden, because he's a fucking loser who, who can't keep his fucking thoughts straight. And look, he's been... He's been dirty dealing his entire fucking life. So it's not goddamn hard. CPAC, a big annual conservative conference happening this week in Florida. NPR political correspondent Danielle Kurtzleben has been following all of this. Uh, Danielle, there has been broad bipartisan support for Ukraine on Capitol Hill. What are we hearing in the wake of the invasion? Well, from a lot of those Republican leaders on Capitol Hill, yes, they have been supporting Ukraine, slamming Vladimir Putin, but also slamming Joe Biden as weak or even partially to blame. Oh, uh, here's Republican he Senate Minority this Leader happened, Mitch McConnell at a press conference yesterday. I think the precipitous withdrawal from Afghanistan in August was a signal uh, to Putin and maybe to Chinese President Xi as well. Fuck this dude. I forget his name. That America this, was in retreat. Fuck, fuck this that America a, could not be. He's a rhino, on, rhino. And was an invitation to the autocrats in the world that maybe this was a good time to make a move. Now, a fair number of Republicans, McConnell included, had been no, saying right, for days that Biden's That's sanctions were too McConnell. little too late. And it's worth McConnell. noting here that there had why been a bipartisan push in the Senate for tough sanctions. Menendez, we got mad shit going on here to worry yesterday about, in a man. statement said that he wants more to be done yet. And we should also add here that Biden yesterday said they're holding back on some of the tougher measures, like cutting off Russia from international banking because of allies in Europe. And we mentioned the Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, is gathering in Florida right now. What is the response there? You know, Russia and Ukraine are really not very central at all. There was a discussion yesterday of foreign policy, and KT McFarland, the deputy national security advisor under Trump, she did speak fairly extensively on the topic. But as far as politicians go, people who are mentioned as possible 2024 candidates, for the most part, they're avoiding it. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis didn't mention Ukraine or Russia at all in his speech, and he is one of well, the big names pussies. that is thrown around. Fucking for stand your goddamn ground. Missouri Senator Say Jack what you mean. Hawley say what you think. Say what you feel. Most of everyone, Be a real motherfucking person, man. Not a goddamn puppet. That's what all industry, fucking politicians are. Fucking puppets. Existing criticisms of Biden from the GOP, but. Really, the focus has been on things that reliably fire up the GOP base. So, culture war issues, how race oh, is taught Jesus in classrooms, Christ. COVID prevention measures. You that see, sort of that's one name we haven't mentioned. That is what's fucked up, man. They aren't talking about serious issues. They're only talking about they're getting their their base fired up. Let's let's get let's talk about this. But now we're gonna fucking we're not gonna solve it. We're not gonna give you solutions because that'll take votes away from from uh, from us. Because we still need something to talk about. Fuck out of here, man. That's bullshizer. Donald Trump. Yeah, Donald Trump. as far as prominent Republicans go, he's kind of alone. One conservative-leaning foreign policy he's analyst not, I spoke to he's yesterday a fucking, pointed he's a fucking out that, hero. you know, look, there are fucking isolationist is, man. Republicans, there Donald are Trump is a fucking hero and deserves and to be... Trump, he was fucked was in his so own goddamn hard. ...being guided by the ideology of self-interest. 
Now, what we have heard of him is he has twice in the last couple of days praised Vladimir Putin, saying words like smart, savvy, that those are how you describe him for invading Ukraine. When, when Josh Hawley was asked about those comments last night, he shot that down very quickly, saying Putin is unequivocally the enemy. Uh, last night, Trump also uh, released a Why is he our, our saying, enemy? Quote, he's fucking, he's office, not fucking with Ukraine. That's the only goddamn thing. Happened. He's not our enemy. But, he's not uh, doing he anything not to us. CPAC. He is set to speak Saturday to, to night. To the United States. And we'll be watching very closely because if he's going to run again, his foreign policy views on this are incredibly relevant. That's NPR political correspondent Daniel Kurtzleben. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm just a pothead, dude. That was the UFC for Friday, February 25th. Deuce, deuce. Oh, so fucking Ukraine, man. What the fuck? Why is it our concern? What interests do we have in Ukraine? Other than Joe Biden's family getting paid millions of dollars by the Ukrainian government. <clears throat> Come on, cat. You're really starting to aggravate me. Stay over here. This cat is bugging the piss out of me. Uh, where was that? Ukraine. Ukraine. And <laughs> midterm elections. Oh, no. Democrats are going to lose way the fuck out. Maybe there's that why... Fucking Biden starting this war, got into this predicament because of midterms. It's going to help the, the Democratic numbers. You see, that's what's fucking stupid. You're going to send your kids off to die. To be fucking killed. But he doesn't care because he's got his money. He doesn't fucking care to send your kids over to die because he got paid. He's going to get paid. His friends are going to get paid. That's all that matters in the fucking world of government. Fuck you, pay me. I'm going to send your kids to die. I don't care. Fuck you. Pay me. That. It, it's just. It, it's fucking disgusting, man. I, I just. How could anybody see that. See it any other way? I, I just. I don't. I don't understand at all. But hey. That's politics for you. That's politicking. Got to keep that. Uh, war machine running. Got to be making that money fucking horse shit man it, it's disgusting and it, it's gross man <sighs> sending our kids over to die just because why what what's the point well I guess yet our kids haven't been involved they're they're on the border of Ukraine and Poland they're over in the NATO allied space Okay, okay, fine. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, this... this Putin must have a plan. I'm sure he's not doing this all willy-nilly. So we'll see. We'll just have to give it time and see how it all plays out. I can't predict what the fuck's... Because I, I predicted that nothing was going to happen. See how, how, how well, how smart I am? <laughs> Dumbass. This is just... It's ridiculous. But we'll, like I said, we'll we'll see how it turns out. We'll see how it fucking goes. Uh, midterms. I fucking we need to. Elections are all fucking rigged. So if the Democratic Party gets any fucking new goddamn people, if they unseat, then you know it's fucked up because 
Democrats are fucking ridiculous. Look who fucking Joe Biden hired as some goddamn head of something. This is fucking ridiculous, and it's it's just gross. I hate I I use that word a lot, but it, I mean it's it's fucking disgusting, man. Like how we are looked at as a fucking weak bunch of fucking clowns by the world because of fucking illegitimate Joe Biden and this fucking fucked up rigged goddamn election and fucking Hillary Clinton spying. I haven't heard anything more about that. What the fuck's going on with that? See, it's all just fucking... Just a big fucking game, and it's aggravating as fuck. But you know what we can do now? It is that time to check in with Mr. Ben. Let's see what space weather's gonna be for February 25th. Douche douche. If you like the show and want to support us directly, check us out on Venmo at the underscore jester. Peace. Good morning, Mr. Ben. Good morning, folks. We've got a little bit of space weather, a shot at astrophysics, one of the oddest publications I've ever seen, and there'll be more coming on yesterday's top story. But we are starting with our star at spaceweathernews.com. We find the last day on the sun was relatively quiet. Minor filament release didn't make it out of the corona. Central corona hole is twisted and abnormally shaped, but its solar wind should be arriving over the weekend. The sunspot situation is becoming less littered. Small spots fading as we are left with just the two on the north. Gorgeous shot of those in neutral iron returns from SDOHMI, more aesthetically pleasing than scientifically helpful. Anyway, let's start with cosmologists in the articles, working with black holes and... No, folks, it's never going to get old watching them come to conclusions like this. 50 to 70% of the field is now a chorus of back to the drawing board. Good one up next for both solar forcing of terrestrial atmospheres and the technological situation. The longer the pressure pulse and magnetic pulse to the global field from the solar wind, the longer the ionospheric delay. Note, longer does not necessarily mean stronger. In an excellent paper here on fluid injection and earthquakes, they accidentally confirm a number of the electroquake principles that are not yet fully mainstream, including the motion of fluid and the electrokinetic effect in the rocks beneath our feet. And last but not least, folks, yeah, this paper went the full marathon, pulling every global record they could of terrorism and extreme aggression and found unequivocally that the sun and geomagnetic activity amplify the negative social interactions in focus here. Everything from the detailed studies we've shown you on emotional instability, cognitive reduction, and more during solar events comes to mind, along with chant. I'm sorry to uh, pause you, Mr. Ben, but I 100% agree with you, obviously. (laughs) But I've been saying this for a while because we're all connected electrically to the to what's going on above our heads. We're all connected. And that's that's in chaos and flux. So that's that's causing the entire human race to be in chaos and in flux and change. Fuck yeah, Mr. Ben. Good shit. Thank you. Thomas's description of mice studied in extreme magnetic conditions, and they started killing and eating each other. And yes, by the way, 
9-11 and every major terrorist incident any of you are going to ask about, it's on the correlation curve. This was September 2001. Big flares, big solar wind, and big geomagnetic disruptions. Last note, if you didn't catch yesterday's video, you missed a huge discovery in catastrophism. Just a few minutes after this show posts to YouTube, we'll be uploading a deeper look episode detailing a bit more about the importance of the dusty solar F corona and what it means for the solar micronova. Good we greatly appreciate your support. Again, that deeper look episode will be for website members at suspiciousobservers.org. We've got wind maps and shots of our star to close. Subscribe, and we'll do this all again tomorrow. Right here, but right now, it's 4.45 a.m. in the new Valley of the Sun. Eyes open. No fear. Be safe, everyone. Good shit, Mr. Ben. Thank you for confirming what I've been saying all along. I fucking love you, man. Thank you for your, the work you put in. I love it. The quote of the day is brought to you today by Channel 716. If you have Roku, add Channel 716 to your channel list. It has local WNY News Now, and it's loaded with plenty of classic films with much more original content to come. Girls hug each other all the time, and it's considered normal. But the one time I suck my homie's dick, and it's gay. <laughs> William Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that was funny. Oh, I hope you guys needed a laugh. I hope that made you laugh. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. So let's let's ramp up, let's get the words out there, and let's spread the gesture revolution, baby. If you ain't laughing, you ain't living. Yeah yeah. <laughs> so be a better version of yourself. Smoke the weed every day and just make shit happen.